that uh, this is probably the most adamant of all the imprecatory psalms. We've looked at uh, several of them. This is the last of David's imprecatory psalm. And these are always, these always cause problems because these psalms are asking for God to judge severely. And this one really asks the Lord to judge severely uh, David's enemies. And uh, we see that Jeremiah did this and also Ezekiel. Um, they prayed a couple of times uh, that God would take care of their enemies. And so we see that, uh, well, but then again, but how do you reconcile that with Luke chapter 27, or cha- excuse me, Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28, where the Lord says, but uh, I say to you, um, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who despitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And so, how do you, how do you um, reconcile a psalm like this, where the Lord, where he's saying, Lord, uh, may you know, may his days be short, may his uh, may he suffer financial uh, disaster, uh, that uh, his children will they, the, you know, his wife uh, be a widow and all these kind of things. He's really rough. And yet, uh, remember, David is a king. And so when he's praying this, he's praying for people who are trying to kill him. But um, so let's just kind of try to go through this psalm. Actually, it's divided into about three parts. You have the first five verses where you see David's complaint. Then you have the imprecatory part, which is uh, verses 6 through 20. And then you have the... Um, David coming back to the Lord and really asking the Lord to deal with him in verses 21 through 31. And so we'll begin reading and we'll take the first five verses. He says, Do not keep silent, O God of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. In return for my love, they are my accusers, but I give myself to prayer. Thus they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for love. So first of all, he's saying, Lord, I'm hurting. He's saying, Lord, uh, you know, uh, when you, you know I'm, I'm really coming to you, but uh, I've got some problems. Don't keep silent. He says, and of course we see in verse uh, 4, he says, I'm giving myself to prayer. So notice this is a prayer psalm. Also, it is set to music. Can you imagine singing this psalm later on as we'll see about, uh, about some of these things he's saying about his enemies? It'd be very difficult to sing this in any congregation. And yet we see that uh, it was set to music. And so we see that um, he says, Lord, don't be silent. Uh, I'm giving myself to prayer. I'm really coming to you. And actually, I think we can look at uh, this psalm and these imprecatory psalms as good therapy of just going to the Lord and saying, now, Lord, this is the way I feel about things. Now, I can't display this, but you and I have got to have a talk about this person that's in my life. And you know how I feel about him. So I'll just go ahead and tell you how I feel, what I want done. But there again, I know that you're on the throne 
And so if we could kind of go to the Lord with that, knowing that you're hurting, knowing that you are uh, distressed and fearful and angry and all these things, and yet you're taking it to the Lord first, learning how to take our our anger and all of our emotions to God. Um, they tell us that uh, good therapy when someone is angry is don't try to argue with them. Just let them talk it all out. And then you can talk with them. But you're not going to talk with an angry person. You're not going to reason with them. And so a lot of times, even asking leading questions to keep them talking until they're, they're done with it. Well, I think that's a good thing to do with the Lord. Lord, now this is the way I feel about it. Now, we do it respectfully, of course, to the Lord. We don't go and say, now, Lord, why would you do this to me? But we do say, Lord, now uh, I've got a problem. And I want you, uh, now this is the prayer. First of all, in verse 2, he says, I'm slandered. Well, you know, the mouth of the wicked, they're deceitful, and they've opened against me, and they've spoken against me with lying tongues. So they're slandering me, Lord. Then in verse 3, we see I've been ridiculed. He says, they have also surrounded my words of hatred and fought against me without cause. In return for my love, they, they are my accusers. And so they ridicule me, they laugh at me, they take my words and they turn them around to uh, make me sound absolutely horrible or guilty of something. And so, Lord, uh, slander and ridicule. And then verse 4, I really feel, and this is what hurt, really hurts. In return for my love, they are my accusers. And so with that, I feel betrayed. I've really poured my heart out. I've tried to help these people. And yet I feel so betrayed by them. And we're going to see that he's talking, I think, mainly about one person because he's going to keep changing pronouns. He's going to go from they to he and he to they. And so it must have been one ringleader that he is really going after. I wonder if it was Saul before the, we see that the inscription tells us that this is a prayer of David or Psalm of David. And so was this um, Saul before David became king? Was it Absalom or someone else, else that uh, threatened him during his, during his uh, rule or his reign? We don't know, but uh, David was a man of great passion. We know that. And, uh, he knew how to take things to the Lord in prayer. And so he had his highs and he had his very lows. He had his anger. We saw that with even Paul this past Sunday morning, where Paul had an anger. And most, you know, most strong people are, you know, if you don't get mad about something, there's something wrong with you. There's, sure, there's some, some things going on in our country today that we need to get angry about and uh, with a righteous anger. But Lord, these people, the, all these things have gone on against me and really, Lord, right now, you know, and he says, thus they have rewarded evil for good and hatred for my love. I feel totally rejected. And so, Lord, I just lay it on the line. This is where I am with you tonight. This is where I am with you right now with this situation. Because I've been terribly hurt by these people. I feel threatened. I feel, and we'll see later on, we, uh, he feels like his whole reputation has been destroyed or being destroyed. How, how do you do? How do you deal with that? What do you do with false accusations whenever it seems like the news media and everybody else is against you and uh, you know that somebody is feeding lies? That's very difficult in a church uh, when someone wants to stir up problems and you don't know where it is. 
and yet you know, or you might know who it is or have a very strong suspicion, but you really can't pin it on them. And so, but if you do, then you're going to have all their buddies around and all of a sudden you're the bad guy, no matter what you do. And so these are very difficult things to deal with. And so David is laying it on the line with the Lord. Again, if you're going to do this with the Lord and you're going to express your anger to the Lord and tell him what you think should be done, make sure you do it very respectfully because after all, he's God. <laughs> and so when you come before the throne of grace, realize you're on your knees, he's up on the throne. And so you're coming to the Lord, and, but he loves you and he'll stick closer than a brother. He's promised he'll never leave you or forsake you. He's promised he'll meet all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And so we know that he'll do all those things for us, and yet we're in a mess. And we're saying, Lord, I don't know where you are. And how many times have we seen before where David said, how long, Lord, how long? And this is one of those how long type of things. And so now notice in verses 6 through 12 or 15, how that he really unloads on this guy. He'll talk uh, uh, he and a they, but he's really after this one guy. But uh, notice now in verse 6, uh, set a wicked man over him and let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him uh, be found guilty and let his prayers become sin. So first of all, Lord, you know, he's the type of guy who is such a sleazeball that, you know, let him fall into a situation where a sleazeball judge judges him. And let him figure out, I mean, let him feel what I'm feeling right now. I mean, you know, let him, let him be treated like I've been treated. And so, you know, that's a, kind of a tall prayer. And, and then, and let his prayer become sin. Now, wait a minute, Lord. I mean, that's a pretty strong thing. But we do know the prayer of the... Um, Prayer of the wicked is even the Lord won't listen, and it is even sin. So we see that he's just kind of mouthing what the Lord has said, uh, and so, yeah, but so he's saying, Lord, don't even listen to him. <laughs> so uh, that is, you know, just a very interesting and a very forceful and emotional statement that he makes. And then in verse eight, he says, "Let his days be few, and let another take his office." And this is quoted by Peter in Acts chapter 1 when they're talking about replacing Judas. And he quotes this verse, let his days be few. Well, they were few. And so it's kind of like, okay, they're few because he's already sinned. So God's judged him. So now we've got to figure out what to do with that 12th apostle. And so he quotes this verse back uh, in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 20. Now, so again, am I, am I wanting people to die? Am I wanting some of these wicked politicians or people that make me so angry? Do I wish them to die? Sometimes I do. I mean, it flashes through my mind. Lord, you know, take them out of here. But then again, I can't do that. You know, I can't go around praying that some God's going to, especially publicly. Um, and of course, you know, but some, some pretty bad thoughts go through your mind sometimes when you feel threatened or when you're hurt or when you see somebody that you love is being hurt, and then the first thing you want to do is, Lord, kill him. You know, that's the easiest thing for him to do. But uh, so here we see that David is doing that. Let his days be few, and let another kick him out of office, Lord. So obviously this guy is a uh, uh, a government worker. Is it Saul? I don't know. 
but as somebody that's really a thorn in David's sight. And so now, of course, we know publicly David never said anything bad about Saul. And so we see that he's taking his gripes to the Lord and not to and not forming a open rebellion against Saul or anyone else. And so if you're going to spew, you know, find the people to do so. And if you've got a friend that sticks sicketh closer than a brother, and who is that? The Lord Jesus. Then he knows what you're thinking. He knows all about our trials. He will guide till the day is done. Okay, well, Lord, you say that, but this is the way I feel about it right now, and I don't feel like you're around. Now, you can say that, but then, Lord, I know you are because you promised me you would be. So I'm just letting you know how I feel about it right now. So if you're going to pray to the Lord, make sure that you don't accuse him of anything. Just let him know how you feel. Because after all, if anybody can be struck down in a half a second or less, it would be, it'd be you or me. And so the Lord owns all of it. And notice he says in verses 9 through 13, and this is where it really gets bad. Lord, uh, let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Let his children continually be bag- vagabonds and beg. Let them seek their bread also from desolate places. Let them be beggars. And notice uh, even that destroy his finances. Uh, let his creditor seize all that he has. So, man, that's pretty bad prayer. I mean, this guy is really causing David some problems. And let strangers plunder his labor. Let there be none to extend mercy to him, nor let there be any to favor his fatherless children. Let his posterity be cut off, and in a generation and in the generation following, uh, let their name be blotted out. Uh, let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted. And let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Uh, let them be continually before the Lord. In other words, he's saying, well, spare his parents. Um, that they may, uh, but they cut off the memory of them from the earth. Let them become infamous. Now that's pretty strong language. But he's talking about someone, obviously, that is making a name for themselves in Israel. And he's saying, Lord, uh, make them desolate. And he's talking about maybe a family line. And maybe, again, this is Saul. Even if it is Saul, did David have compassion? Did he really mean it to every one of Saul's children or even to his wife? No. We see that uh, David spared Mephibosheth. And also he loved Jonathan. And so we see that David, even though he might be just really blowing off some steam right now, when it really came down to doing what, or thinking that he could do what, what God should do, he didn't do it. Because, you know, he loved these people. And sometimes, you know, just sometimes, you know, as a pastor, I've had uh, people come to me and say, and they just let off their steam. And then later on they say, Pastor, so good. I'm just glad you were here to let me blow off my steam. I know I'm wrong. And they'll figure it all out themselves. And I think the Lord, you know, again, now I'm the pastor and you can say anything you want to to me and even strike me. I just can't hit you back. But, but you know, um, but, with the, but with the Lord, you want to make sure that you're doing it respectfully. Now, Lord, this is just the way I feel about it. This way, I just, Lord, this is, you know, going on. But then when it's all over, then you've got your mind cleared 
you get the passions out of you, and you'll see that David winds up on a good note even in this song. And so he's at his wit's end with this person, whoever it is. He's had it. He's ready to just tear up the place or whatever. And yet uh, he goes to the Lord with all of his anger and all of his frustrations. And so in verses 16 through 20, he really says, now, Lord, this is what this turkey has done. Notice he says, because he, had, he did not remember to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and the needy man, and that he might even slay the, uh, the broken heart and uh, broken in heart. And he loved cursing and let it come to him and did not and delight in blessing. So let it be far from him. So Lord, uh, this guy, he was so mean to helpless people and he was merciless in what he could do to someone weaker than he was. And he didn't delight in the blessings that you were giving. In fact, he uh, was callous toward them. He said, well, if that's the case, Lord, withdraw your blessings from him. Why are you blessing him in the first place? (laughs) But there again, uh, Lord, now withdraw your blessings from him. And so this is, uh, again, the Lord knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. I don't think I'd say, Lord, why are you blessing him in the first place? I think I would say, now, Lord, why... Why are you blessing him and not me or whatever? But uh, so if I'm going to complain, uh, just take it to the Lord. And he says, and he clothed himself with cursing as with a garment. And so let uh, it enter into his body like water and like oil into his bones. So if he's going to curse, curse him. He says, let it be to him like a garment which covers him and for a belt which he girds himself continually. I mean, this guy is so permeated with filth. He's so corrupt. So, Lord, uh, you know, don't let him win. Let this be the Lord's reward to my accusers. Now, notice, okay, my accuser. He's, he's leading some people, so notice the plural there. And against my person, uh, and those who speak evil against my person. So, you know, he's really got some people on his side now. And so that's the imprecatory part. That's the really praying and and just telling the Lord what you'd like to have done. Again, how do you love your enemies? How do you go back to Luke chapter 6 and say, where we were to love those who say all manner of evil against us falsely for his name's sake? Uh, that's, of course, uh, Matthew 6 but uh, or Matthew 5 with the uh, Sermon on the Mount. But uh, so how do I love my enemy? And how do I do good to those who say all manner of evil against me and and curse me? Uh, I can't do it outside of your grace, Lord. And so we see that he's coming. And notice how now, and here's that great word that we hear again, that great conjunction, but you, but you. Okay, Lord, now that's the way I feel about it. But here's the turning point, you, but you. Oh, God, God, the Lord, deal with me for your name's sake. Now, Lord, you're going to lead me in the the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, Psalm 23. And so, Lord, you know how I feel about this, but your name is at stake in the way that I react. You know what I want. 
And you know how mad I'm about this, but Lord, for your name's sake, deal with me. Straighten me out. Clean me up. Let me see something, some redeeming quality or something that uh, I don't see right now. But Lord, deal with me for your name's sake, because your mercy is good. Deliver me. So we see that that's a great turning point where he pours it out, but then he says, but you, Lord, deal with me. Not deal with him, but deal with me. Straighten out my heart. Get me straightened out here, Lord. You know how I feel. And notice, for I am poor and needy. Now, if he's the king, he's not poor or needy, or the, the average person would think of him as needy. If he's still running from the king, that's another story. But uh, this goes back to Psalm 40. Remember, he talked about uh, um, I'm poor and needy. He uses that term very several times in the Psalms about his uh, walk with the Lord. He says, and my heart is wounded within me. So I'm poor and needy. My heart is wounded. He goes on, he says, I am gone like a shadow when it lengthens. I am shaken off like a like locust. My knees are weak through fasting, and my flesh is feeble uh, from the lack of fatness. So I'm weak-kneed. I'm heartbroken. I'm just about, I mean, I'm just lower than low can be. And I just don't know what to do about it, Lord, but you deal with me. Now notice he says, I've become like a reproach to them. Uh, When they look at me, they shake their heads. I mean, I've lost my reputation. Uh, People pity me or they scorn me. I don't know what people are thinking about me right now with all this going on. But I feel like my reputation's in tatters. And But Lord, you're on the throne. Deal with me. And so I like the way he, he really comes around after really pouring out his anger. He says, but he's, he's collecting his thoughts again. But you, Lord, but you, I've got to keep my mind on you. Deal with me. And then verses 26 through 29, we see, notice he says, Help me, O Lord my God. Uh, oh, save me according to your mercy. He says, and this is the, probably the key verse to it all, that they may know that this is your hand, that you, Lord, have done it. So, Lord, you know what I want to do. And you know how I feel. I don't know. You know what, how, what I want you to do. But in the end, Lord, it's you that I want to be glorified. I want others to see how that you can take care of your own. Now, I don't know how you're going to do it, but Lord, I need to, I just want you to save me from this situation. I want your hand to be upon it in such a way that people say, yeah, the Lord really took care of that, didn't he? And so we see that he's wanting God to be glorified in that situation. And then verse 28, let them curse, uh, but you bless. Uh, when they arise, let them be ashamed but let your servant rejoice. Let my accusers be clothed with shame and let them cover themselves with their own disgrace as with a mantle. So Lord, you're the one who can turn the tables. You're the one who can show the false accusers and all the things that are going wrong. 
And so, Lord, you know what I want to do, but at the same time, if I do it in the way that I want to do it, I might cause a lot more harm than good. As a pastor, again, there's been many times where I've just had to wait on the Lord when I really wanted to get in there and just tear up Jack and just, uh, I don't know if anybody's listening named Jack, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. And so, uh, you know, but I knew that if I did, I would probably destroy my ministry. And so I had to wait on the Lord. And invariably, he came, he came through. And so waiting on the they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And what you're asking the Lord to do there, what Isaiah is saying in Isaiah 40, is that we wait on the Lord in these situations. And really, if, now there are time to act, there's time to act. There are times that you just have to act. You just have to do the best you can when you can with what you got, what, with what you can. Uh, but uh, many times in these situations when you feel personally attacked, it's good to wait on the Lord until and ask him for clear direction and allow him to deal with that situation. I think of one that was really severe in my ministry. And I knew something was happening with a, a new man that had been saved. And this one guy that really was starting to be on the outs with me uh, was starting to try to gather some people around him. And I'm going, Lord, now you know this. And what do I do about it? And I, if I go and right now, if I deal with the situation as I know it, then um, I might be wrong. I don't know all the situation. But at the same time, this person can not only hurt him, uh, leave the church, which would, wouldn't bother me any, but the thing which would really bother me is he takes a few people with him. So how, would I, how do I deal with this? And it was so, uh, just what a, what a blessing. I prayed about it several days. And what, the man that I was really concerned about being led away, he said, you know, Pastor, so-and-so is causing some problems, and you need to have a meeting and just let this thing air out. And here he was, a, a brand-new Christian, one of the youngest Christians in the church. And he was dead on right. And so I called a meeting, and boy, this guy, that, uh, and that's when the guy blew up at me. I didn't blow up at him publicly. He blew up at me. And uh, I had the rest of the men and said, listen, uh, you know, you've got some problems. And uh, I mean, I didn't say a thing. They just talked, they talked to him. And uh, the guy got mad and he left. But I didn't lose anybody else. I <laughs> praise the Lord for that. I think of another situation where a lady was causing some problems and she wanted to have a church meeting about it. So uh, the men got together and I'm going, oh boy. And so we had a meeting and this lady was talking and I like, uh, and boy, she accused me about everything. You know, I was unspiritual. I was on this, on that. I really loved one of my men just said, you know, and he named her and he said, are we talking about the same person? <laughs> and so, again, letting God take care of it. Uh, and it was such a blessing to have that happen. It's not a blessing to go through it and wonder if it's going to, if they're going to tear up your church. And there have been people that have done a lot more harm than, than that. But uh, there again, can you trust the Lord 
with some of these things and just let off the steam or just go, Lord, I'm scared, you know, or Lord, this is what's happening. And I don't know, and I don't even know how to approach it. But Lord, but Lord, deal with me. Give me wisdom. You tell me, Lord, if any man likes wisdom, let him ask of God, and you'll give it. So, Lord, right if there, any time I, if there's ever been a time I need it, I need it now. And so, see how we're talking to the Lord. Uh, he already knows. Uh, he knows all the thoughts and intents of your heart, anyway. And so, we see that uh, we're pouring it out. We're reasoning it out with the Lord. We're asking God to deal with it. We're asking God to to work in our lives and we're acknowledging him as king and as the one who can rule over the situation. And so this is what David has done. And so we notice now, he says, but let your servant rejoice. But then we see the resolve in verses 30 and 31. He ends it with this. Whatever happens, Lord, I'm with you. I'm going to praise you. He says, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yes, I will praise him among the multitude. I, everybody might think I'm a, a dimwit or whatever else because of all this stuff going on. But Lord, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to praise you per- personally. And I'm going to praise you publicly because you're still the same God. I'm not going to let this tear me down and, tear, and we're going to exalt you no matter what happens. Now that takes strength. And that really bothers people who are trying to tear you down and you're just up there praising God. I mean, that just, I mean, that, I, I uh, again, it just, that's, a, if you want a good put down for people, just praise the Lord around them and not, I mean, just let them know that you're not going to let them tear you down. And that's one of the greatest things to do uh, in sports. That's what they do. You know, they have all the trash talking and then you have the person who just gets up there and points at the scoreboard and said, look who's ahead, you know, or whatever else. And so we see that, uh, you know, we can point a nice finger to the Lord and say, you know, he's on the throne. He knows what's going on and uh, he'll take care of it and do it with a confidence. And that just intimidates people and it shuts them up a lot of times. And then we see I'm going to do it uh, publicly and I'm going to do it confidently, confidently. Verse 31. For he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those who condemn him. So, Lord, you're the one who can take care of the poor and needy, and I'm one of them. And you promised me, as we saw on Sunday morning, where the Lord stood by Paul. I love that verse. It just jumped out at me last week, where the Lord stood by him. And so, yes, the Lord came at one of the lowest points in Paul's life and stood by him. Well, I love that song we sing. Uh, I think it was Nancy's favorite. Uh, uh, When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship upon the sea, thou who ruleth wind and water, stand by me. And so we see that uh, this is a a great exercise. It's a spiritual exercise. And you can't be exercised unless you're strained. And so this is a great strain. And uh, if you faint in the day of trouble, your strength is small, the writer of Proverbs says. And so we see that many times God will exercise us to godliness through the trials of life that we go through. And we want to have the victories so that uh, we can notch them up on our belt and say, now, Lord, you've done it before and you can do it again. 
Uh, Lord, you've blessed me. Trust grace that brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. So, Lord, you can meet my needs. Okay, isn't that a great uh, psalm? In spite spite of the fact that uh, imprecatory psalms and imprecatory prayers are the most difficult things to preach on or to speak on because it seems like they go smack dab against what the Lord says about loving your enemies and walking the extra mile and turning the cheek and all those different things that God tells us. And here you got a guy just raving at the Lord and telling him what he wants. Kill a guy, Lord. And yet we see that uh, in the end, he says, Lord, you're on the throne. Deal with me. <laughs> you know, so it's almost like a confession uh, to the Lord. 